Welcome to Startup Stories, where we go behind the scenes of some of the most interesting and innovative tech startups in the world. Each episode will bring you in-depth interviews with entrepreneurs and business leaders, sharing their personal stories on success, failure, and everything in between. So whether you're an entrepreneur yourself or someone that's just generally interested in the world of startups, then Startup Stories is the perfect place for you to gain insight and inspiration into some of the most exciting players in the game. So sit back, relax, and join us on a journey of Startup Stories. Maria, welcome to the Startup Stories podcast. Thanks for having me here. I'm looking forward for a nice discussion with you today. Me too. So for the listeners that don't know who you are, could you give them a brief introduction? Sure. I'm founder of an AI company based in Germany. We just started accelerating through the world because we want to shape the future of healthcare. On the side, I'm running a foundation to support um, children around the world in their education, also in their growth. I'm a mother on the side, so I think these are the three main things you should know about me. Lovely. And I'm very, very interested in particular about your company because health is something that's very important to me. So looking forward to uncovering all of that. So, you know, if I want to really understand Maria, what do I need to know about you? I think I'm a quite open person. So I grew up in a small village and everybody always gave me the feeling of this is the surrounding you have to stay in. And very early I I felt that I want to break out, right? I want to know about the world. I want to see different things. So I moved to different countries. I lived in, for example, South America and Taiwan as well. Um, so I spent a lot of time very abroad and this really makes me who I am today. I would say I'm very open, interested in culture. I want to understand a lot of different things. I'm very communicative and I love sports. You cannot meet me without doing something on a field. I made professional sports. My brother is a professional sportsman today. So I think sport and, and all these like cultural things, this is really what you should know about me. What's your go-to sport or sports? Yeah, I mean, I did athletics, so everything on a track is very familiar to me. But I know I love to have challenges around me. So I started, for example, figure skating, ice hockey. It's also something I do. I'm a like coach for ice hockey now. I'm doing a lot of things in the gym, like staying active no matter which kind of sports. And, you know, I'm participating in a fund that is supporting different kinds of sport for children. So I made myself the challenge to get to know as much different kinds of sports as possible. So I'm doing everything from wakeboarding to basketball, just to try it out and show people which different kinds of sports are existing. Because honestly, most people know about soccer, but that's it. Right. So I think there mm-hmm. is so much more you can learn and see and learn about yourself. There is nothing special for me. I just love to do sports together with other people. Yeah. Where does that come from? The love for sport? Mm, I think it's coming from my family background. Like my mother was actively doing sports like when she was young. So for her, it was very important that my brother and me started doing sports very early. So I think when I was four or five years and from that on, that was one of my like daily routines. So I went to like practicing every single day. It was part of like me, my whole life. And I just try to contain with that because it makes me strong. It makes me feel confident. 
And when I have, for example, a lot of things in my mind from work, this is like my safe space, right? I go to the gym or to the track and I just feel like, okay, let it go because I have to concentrate on what I'm doing here physically. In other ways, I would like hurt me, for example. So for me, it's really the balance to do all the other things I'm doing. Yeah, I 100% resonate with what you're saying there. Myself and my brother, similarly like you with your brother, you know, we do weightlifting, we do cycling, we do trail running, swimming, even like ice baths, these kind of challenges. And uh, like you say, it's the your safe space, it's your time to, it's almost like meditation Yeah. in a way. Yeah. Like it's soothing and you feel great after every single time, even the days when you don't want to do it. Yeah. You f always feel good after, yeah. at least better anyway. And it's so so funny because, for example, today I just went in the office and um, yesterday I took part in a charity golf golf event. Like So that was my first time doing that kind of sport. And I was so bad. Honestly, it's not my, <laughs> my biggest talent. But I made it through the through the thing. And today I'm really feeling my legs, like everything is hurting. So I went in the office and people told me like, why are you like walking like that? And I said, <laughs> I mean, I just meet new muscles, right? I never had them before. And they looked at me and said, Maria, why are you always doing that to yourself? Like every single day you're coming to the office and then saying, this is hurting or here and I feel that. But honestly, that's so good because you can feel yourself on one hand side and you keep growing you understand like where are you probably could get stronger and you are working on that on a constant base right and it's the same in the company you can never stop learning you can never stop challenging yourself you have to think about the next year the year after you have to improve your product your your solution whatever it is and i think sports teach us a lot here right you can never stop you're never at the end you can always improve something and I just love to have that on both sides, honestly. Yeah, again, I agree with that 100%. I think the way you look after your body can totally be applied to your work yeah. as well. Like you say, it's, you never stop learning, always improving, using new muscles, using new tools. It totally makes sense. You don't have to be afraid. I think that's the main lesson here, right? I mean, yeah. like yesterday, I knew I have never done this before. But when you're finishing it, you said to yourself, like, I made it. That's a good thing, right? So I, I was able to do that. And that's so important sometimes. I mean, we are living in a world, especially in like more job related, where it's very competitive, right? Every single day, new startups, new companies, new technologies, like these big, great news everywhere. So you have to find something to stay relaxed. You have to be confident with yourself. So I think, again, like the sports thing teaches a lot here. Like I always remember... When I go on a stage, for example, a lot of people, there's this one moment before where I'm thinking like, okay, when you have been younger on the track, there was the moment when somebody said, ready, go. And then you had to do it. No matter what you're thinking, you had to run and then you have to deal with the result, right? So it's the same in the company. I always have to do things probably I'm not pretty sure about or having some issues or thoughts. But I have to do it. I have to go through it. And after that, I will see where I am and then I can improve from that. Yeah, that's a fantastic way to look at it. I never, never thought of it like that. You're absolutely right. Because once they say go, you run, run, run and just see what you can do. And then, you know, you find out where you come out. Sometimes you might not finish first and you'll go back to the drawing board and improve. It's like 
they say your first podcast is you, you're going to look back at it and think it was terrible or your first speaking on stage it will be terrible but you keep showing up every single time just like in business you'll get better yeah yeah definitely and you know like the people you are competing with sometimes these are the people you are practicing with every single day so also here's a quite interesting thing so you have to be friends or close but in the moment of race you're a competitor right so after that you also have to deal with the fact that you should be happy for them if they win but on the same time you have to deal with your own emotions and it's the same in the innovation surrounding right there are competitors always for all of us but why not seeing them as an accelerator or potential partner or how can i deal with them so we should not always like fight against each other we should try to find our place and then um, keep the journey from there well that principle applies in the sense of surrounding yourself with people that are better than you but to make you better if everybody you kept winning every single time and it was too easy you wouldn't improve true that's what i believe absolutely so So when you're going back to your question like what is maria i think i learned so much from that time of professional sports and this is what people would say about me yeah most definitely okay so take me back to your childhood then when you were growing up was there any particular person that had the biggest impact on you when it comes to your mind? I would say there are like, it's a splitted person probably. <laughs> so there was of course my coach who I spent the most time with. That was the person like in, that influenced me the most and always keep saying me like, you can do it, you can achieve that. I think that was a lesson that was pretty important for me. But on the other hand side, there was my dad who was always like very basic. Yeah, he's like um, like a, he's an le- electrician, so a very basic job, a good job, but very basic from profession. He kept me like thinking about the base, like where is everything coming from? So I studied electrical engineering, for example. And I remember he always told me like, okay, let's start, do some installations from light. If you can do that here live in, in, in the room, then we can talk about electrical engineering. So he always tried to keep me back, but on the other hand side, to give me some learning aspects out of that. So I think that was something that is pretty important for me. And I mean, he didn't spend a lot of time back home because he always had to go far away when I was younger, like to work, just came back for the weekends. But it was more or less like a highlight to have this quality time with him then. And he always like came back with these adventures showing me that the world is so much bigger than where we are with the house. I think this is what really was the most important thing for me. Maybe that's what gave you the curiosity to go abroad and ex- yeah. explore other countries. Yeah. Lovely. That's really nice. So you, your dad was coming back and making this impact, even though he wasn't there all the time, which is really nice. Yeah. All right, then. So run me up to your teenage years. Did you go to university or anything like that? Yeah. So after A-levels, then I, I spent the first time like in another big city, which was very like the first time for me going out of a village to a big city. That was a huge, huge difference for me. And I started studying industrial engineering, but then I, on the same in the same moment, I started working for a huge corporate Siemens, probably you know that. And mm-hmm. they teach me from the very first day, being in the university is not enough, Maria. You have to get a real experience. You have to work. You have to understand like how 
the economics are really working. So that was very influential for me. And that was why I changed my studies after bachelor's, because they told me, if you want to get like a good manager, probably you should know about the tech thing more, right? Most companies are referring back to technologies and you should be aware of that if you want to lead a company. So I decided to study industrial engineering. Uh, no, not industrial, electrical engineering, then after industrial engineering. And went um, to China, to first to China, then to Taiwan to do so. Because um, wow. I think that, yeah, that was very important from cultural perspective. To I mean, China obviously is a very big rising industrial power, right? So if we want to lead companies from here, we should be aware of how they are working and why are they working like that. And I think I got a good understanding out of that there. And there was a fun story on the side, like one of my professors in the first lecture, he told us like, one of the other very important markets is Brazil. And if you want to be something in the future, you should learn Portuguese. So the first thing I did after that lesson was to start my Portuguese course and started studying on the side cultural aspects and resources out of Latin America. And therefore, I had to spend a lot of time in Brazil to really understand the market and how economy is working over there. I think these two very, very different experiences like South South America and on the other hand side, China was something that really made me understand how different the world is. Yeah, I mean, you're never going to really know unless you, you do go there. That's pretty cool. <laughs> what did you think of Brazil? I think, you know, the most interesting part there was they always told me like they don't have a clock, they just have time, right? And that was exactly what I experienced. And, you know, I'm typical German. I'm always on time. I'm before time, like time and not <laughs> wasting time, something very important for me. And in Brazil, I had to learn that you have to wait for the bus, but you have no idea when the bus is coming. So I think what I got to got to know there is that, okay, life can be a little bit easier than what we think and life can be good even if you relax a little bit so i think that was one of the main the main lessons but honestly the work style is pretty different right and one of my tasks over there was to work in a like social project with children which are having no parents um so living on their own that was very emotional honestly because even if you compare to what we have here in germany for children for example that are not having en enough it's still not on the same level. It's very different. It's very emotional. So I think that was a quite interesting experience as well. Lovely. Okay, so what was your first job? My very first job was at Siemens. Like after, I mean, I prepared a lot. Oh, that was your first job. Okay. Yeah, that was my first job. And during studies, I, I started working there. But then after that, um, they really made me or gave me a very interesting task about the transformation of digitization, which was quite a challenge for someone just coming from university, to be honest. Mm -hmm. um, but it was amazing. And if you refer back to like school time, there was no real time for me to have a job because I was doing professional sports. So I was really like in the sports angle the whole time yeah, teaching the little ones. It's what I'm still doing, but there was no time to do other projects or like, like, like other founders who always had projects on the side. That was not my way, honestly. So your career path after Siemens, walk me through that until, you know, b before you started Iconic. 
Honestly, there is not so much in between, right? So I went the path really through Siemens. So they, they put me in a development program very early, like when I started studies. And then they developed me over four years to become a leader of, of different like departments. And they made a good job, I think. So we spent a lot of time in different sessions there. And after that, as mentioned, I started doing things um, for the transformation, first mobility, then more in the electrical, like in the energy area, like two very important topics if you look outside, like the change of mobility and energy. And after that, there was the clear question of, Maria, do you want to go the next step, like leading a whole department, but then you have to go abroad. So, and for me, I got the feeling of, okay, I can go abroad again, no issues with that, but can I really do something? Because even with the digitization part, of course, I'm writing good concepts, getting people involved, everything. But in the corporate, you are never able to do the whole way, right? You cannot finish the whole stuff. There are so many people, so many stages. There are years and years of waiting and preparation. So I felt like, no, I want to start something and I want to realize it. And I want to see and learn out of my own decisions. And that was the moment when I started about like thinking about topics on the side. So healthcare was back then a very non-digitized industry, right? And this was honestly already the start of Iconic. I mean, at the beginning, it was more like a project and had different names and we started to like explore a little bit. And so before it became Iconic, there was a way to go, but there haven't been any different stations. I I learned from the, after the Siemens time, I, I knew that, okay, this is the next step for me. I want to do something on my own and I just have to figure out how it can work. Understood. So if I'm correct, what you're saying is the entrepreneurial side of you came out during slash after your time with Siemens. It wasn't before. Yeah, it it was more in, in the meantime, honestly, as mentioned in the beginning, at first, like coming out of my small village, I was more very like, I would say shy person, like not really believing in, that I, I'm able to do all these things and that I can handle all these emotions and challenges. But doing my way with Siemens, I recognize, okay, I am. I am ready to do things like that. I am ready to like put my own vision into that world. And there are a lot of people that are supporting me and that are believing in me. So I think my Siemens time gave me the, the power and also the, the, um, the understanding that I am able to do that. And so I'm just... I, I realize that. I mean, that's how, how I am, how, I, how my, myself is working. Like, if I have an idea, I do it. And if I fail, I will try to adjust. And so that was more or less a try. Mm-hmm. Whilst you were at Siemens, did you have like a series of mini successes that gave you that confidence to think, you know what, I can do something myself? Because many people don't really get that confidence to want to do something on their own unless they've had many build-ups to give them that confidence. Yeah, I mean, I was in the very good position at Siemens that the projects I had were very huge. So I worked for our vice president pretty early. So I knew from the beginning there was a high responsibility. But of course, next to that, I started growing myself in different like projects in the, in the university and also like in different accelerator programs, become mentor for other startups. And uh, they gave me the task to scout innovations um, as well. So I got to know founders. And honestly, when I started working with them, I recognized, wow, I'm already pretty much more experienced than I thought. 
and probably mm. I'm already having the right thinking. So I would say in my case, there haven't been this typical milestones of I made a first project and sold it somewhere. It was really more, I learned about myself while working that I'm much, much like more experienced and more capable than what I thought before. So during this realization, then I just met the right people who said, Maria, we want to do something with you. And then everything just started out. It sounds like you've got a lot of self-awareness. Yes, definitely. Because many people are great at stuff, but they don't realize what their capabilities are, if that makes sense. And it seems like you do. Yeah. yeah. So honestly, like when we then had the first steps with the company, we, we started to use a lot of accelerators. I think I took part in 23 accelerator programs because still there was this, this thinking of, okay, it's my first time. I'm a first time founder. So I wanted to learn more. I wanted to grow myself and meeting all these mentors and peoples and other founders accelerated that as well, right? This self-awareness about where am I? What can I improve and where am I really good at already right so I think I'm I am having a very realistic view about what are my strengths and where should I work on I think that's an important thing and of course coming out of the sports I'm very on point I'm very like self-confident to do the things I'm believing in and you know like I think we are now, we grew the company over these accelerators and now I'm more or less a mentor in different accelerators. And this is always the lesson I try to teach my mentees, right? You have to believe in yourself. If you are not believing in that, who should believe in you, right? So if you Absolutely. are not focusing on your vision, who should focus or sell your vision? Nobody can do that. You have to do that, right? So first of all, you have to work on yourself and then everything else will work out in a way that can always be different. How important would you say a mentor is? I think pretty like important because, of course, for everyone in a different way. So for some people, it's important to get this confidence, like to do decisions, for example, or to, to go on a path. For other people, it's more important that someone experienced tells you sometimes, okay, let's calm down. Okay, it was a good step, but you are not like on the top of the world. So I think like people are very different and mentors have to meet you on different perspectives, right? But for everyone, it's pretty important to have people like that because how can you know everything? How can you have all experiences? Have you been in the market for 30 years? I haven't. So for me, it's yeah. always, I can always learn something out of that. But I know there are so many founders or people outside always thinking, I'm experienced enough. I don't have to waste my time for that. How, what can I learn from him? Right? I want to do my own failures. And it's a good thing. But sometimes for the company, it's also important to like, keep some failures away. Right? You don't have to do that. Mm -hmm. It's very obvious. So I think that's really, really important. And the second thing that is really important is keep your eyes open to the ecosystem, right? Because you can learn from your competitors. You don't just, you should not just say, it's my competitor. I don't want to know anything, right? If they are changing their business model, if they are changing their marketing, probably there is a reason and you should learn from that, right? You should like understand differences. You should not stuck on your product. Like this is it. It's, this yeah. it's forever because market is changing customers are changing everything is changing so you should be aware of that you should know like what is going on and i think therefore mentors ecosystem people in your in your industry are pretty important to give you this kind of like 
impact or like ideas what, about what is going on. Yeah, I also am a huge advocate for mentors. That's why I asked you the question to see what your views were. And even the people in your team, like we have very much an open door policy here that nobody is any higher than anyone else in the team. And I always listen to everybody as long as their idea that they bring to the table makes sense, then we'll try it and we'll see how we get on with it. And I had my very first mentor about two, three years ago now, because like what you were saying, I'd been running my business for a few years and I had this roadblock where I was like, kind of like in sport where you've hit a plateau and I felt like I'm not really learning anything else because there's no one else above me to teach me stuff. And that's where I searched for a mentor, got a mentor, and it was the best thing I ever did. And now anything that I go to pursue, I also get a mentor to mitigate as many mistakes. And of course, fast track yourself to, as you say, learn from someone that's got many more years in the game than you. So for anyone listening, I advocate mentors 100%. <laughs> yeah. And And, you know, there's also for me, for example, the perspective, like search for mentors from different backgrounds and cultures. So, for example, when you think about leveraging your your company or your product to other markets, right, you should not always discuss with the same person because some people are stronger in understanding Asian culture. Some people are stronger in the U.S. market. Some people are stronger in different things. So you cannot... It, it, I think it's management of expectations here, right? You should not expect that one person or one mentor can have the the impact to all of your decisions, right? So therefore, make sure you surround yourself with different people. And sometimes, and that's so funny, I think, you don't even know that you need someone like that, right? I remember in an accelerator program in the US, I met by accident, really by accident, someone who is responsible for data at Stanford University. And he was like, hey, Maria, let's go out for coffee. And I was like, already so much to do. Why should I? Right. And then I said, "Okay, I'm already here. Let's let's do it. And then we sat there down for coffee. And he said, like, so explain the business model to me. And I stuck really in sentence two. I understood in this moment, Okay, I'm not able to pitch my business model in two minutes. And then he took a pen and just draw down. Oh, you're like Spotify. You're like that. You're like that. Did you know that? And I was like, no, how could you know? So we started very deep discussions from there. He's still my mentor, like eight months from now. Pretty interesting. But what I mean is sometimes you have to just be open to discuss with people because definitely other views, other opinions can make yourself stronger and can give you another mindset or another point of view to what you're doing on a daily business. Yes, absolutely. Like you say, they... They can explain it and you like, oh, I didn't even see it like that. It makes so much sense. And uh, with myself, I, you know, you can always have a long-term mentor, but I stick with the mentality that, you know, you have one mentor for a year, year and a half maybe, and then you try someone new for a different perspective or a different skill set, like you say, a different strength. So that's really interesting. Okay, so talk to me then about Iconic. Talk to me about when the idea came to you, the, the whole situation, where you where you was and then why you decided, right, I think we should turn this into a reality. So first of all, it was probably not the typical journey. Like for us, it was more 
we knew there is a market that has a very high potential of being digitized, the health market. But it was it was also clear that there is this new technology called augmented reality and AI that probably might have a difference about how we think health. But to be sure that we are on the right path, we decided pretty, pretty early that we want to do a market test to understand customer and also the, the business part. So we made interviews with all the relevant players in the market and also came out with a more or less beauty game, like an MVP where we put on a fair like 10,000 people at the beginning, later than 100,000 um, people. And out of these results, like from both sides, we understood how our solution have to look like, what the AI have to be able to do to make an impact on a, I would say, sustainable way. So it was not I'm waking up knowing this is the solution I go for. It was more I would say a clear, like understanding path, like working together with market players to understand what we have to do. And along our journey, there have been two, I would say, economic crises now. So we have to, we had to pivot also. And I think we were able to do that because we started in the way we started. Like we really sat together with all the partners. We exactly know where is our place in the market. So I would say it's not a typical founder story but definitely a very interesting one, which is giving us the potential to be there in like a lot of years still because we are very close to all the different parties or members of our value chain. What were the biggest challenges you faced at the beginning as a new entrepreneur, business owner of Iconic? I think from the product perspective, it was definitely the technology. When we started, there haven't been even a filter on Instagram, for example. AR was very, very early. So we created one of the first beauty filters you saw on Instagram by accident, just because we wanted to see what the technology is able to do. But all the investors, all the beauty brands, like all the partners we worked with at the beginning were very like non-happy with what we are talking about. They didn't believe in these technologies. They were not able to see our vision. So I think that was one of the main challenges to break down our vision to a step that everybody is capable of doing. I mean, today, AI is very common. Everybody's talking about that. But three years ago, nobody wanted in to invest in that because it was more like, a what should that bubble be like? Right? Where's the benefit mm -hmm. of that? I think that was one of the main challenges, that it was a very new technologies and there was nothing to compare us with there was no i would say american brand already doing something like that we really were the first ones to think in that way like from what we we saw i mean of course you you are never the only one having an idea but there was nothing to compare us with in an easy way so that was the second challenge to give confidence to partners and investors that this can work out at the end of the day. Still today, this is the main challenge. And for me, I would say as a founder, there was a third aspect. Like I told you before, I was in a corporate, so now everything was my own responsibility. There were people looking at me. They wanted to learn something from me. They wanted guidance from me. So it was a whole different style of working and like preparing yourself for everything that comes along with that was a challenge too. It's still a challenge, right? You have employees, which is the hardest part of everything, I, I personally believe, because they have always issues 
there's always something, you always have to deal with something. And that's very emotionally because you are part of the team, but you are also not part of the team, right? So finding your your way of interaction and the team dynamic is is personally my main challenge, I would say. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay, so you talk about the people being the hardest. What do you do to make sure that you hire the right people? I would say, first of all, <laughs> at the beginning, I, I was not really good in that, honestly. There was not a good fit from what I hired and what I searched for. So I then decided, okay, I need to educate myself on doing that. So I went back to a business school out of Switzerland, uh, started my PhD, focusing on how to be a good like leader, leadership management, all these kind of things. So I educated myself on that. That was the first very important thing, like knowing what you're doing. And out of that, now I changed my strategy a little bit. So I'm not looking anymore at the experience part. It's really more about mindset and that's it for me. I mean, people having the right mindset can learn nearly everything, right? But people that are not willing to like accelerate their self or to grow or to have their own visions, you will never change that. You can pay more money. You can give more benefits. People who want to stay in their comfort zone will not go out of that. I tried that several times, but my result was still, okay, I need to find people that are having the same mindset as me, that are open to like having challenges, that want to have some success points or next level points for their own. I mean, I'm not responsible for their personality, right? I can help them going mm. through the way, but they are the ones who have to be like on purpose and that want to be pretty good in what they are doing, right? So I think this kind of mindset and motivation is what I'm now looking in the most and then higher and fire, right? If there is no fit, that's it. Yeah. When you first had to fire someone, did you find that difficult? Yeah, pretty hard. Pretty hard. But <laughs> honestly, in the business school, like I would I just refer back to, I learned how to deal with that. But the first ones were so emotional for me. I was like nearly crying because I love the people in my team. It's my baby, right? My company is so much like in, in the whole life for me. So if people are going and leaving the com company, it's pretty hard, right? So something is changing and you have to deal with the with the change. And there is um, some dynamics out of that. So it was pretty hard for me. Also telling someone, okay, this is the end of the way. That was very emotional. But yeah, again, I, I got some nice instruments to deal with that. And now I'm much better. But still, it's one of the like personal meetings is still one of the biggest challenges for me in my calendar. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that it never gets easy. You just get more used to it, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. I, I, I too remember the first one like you can't sleep, you can't stop yeah. thinking about it. You think, how do I deliver it? How do I soften the blow? Yeah, It's a horrible feeling, but it's because, you know, you don't want to upset someone, but at the same time, yeah. it is your business. So you have to take the emotion out of the equation. Yeah. And you know what? Like I always say, if people are setting like personal meetings in my calendar, it's already a pain for me because I know there are just two options. They have something, like they want more of something, or they want to tell me they are leaving. I mean, why should they talk to me in another way, right? So I think these meetings are from from the beginning something very emotional and probably non-positive emotional. Yeah, but at the end of the day, I always try to say to myself, my main responsibility is that the company survives, that the company is growing, 
the company is my responsibility. My responsibility is not every single person and their lives. Because if they are leaving the company, they will have a new job. They will do something different. They will become happy. But the company is very close to me. So I have to make sure that this company is running. And I'm trying to like say this to myself and to myself before I start these kind of meetings always. This is my main priority. <laughs> you talked about the fact that you've had to adapt quite a few times. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about that. What, what would have happened if you didn't adapt your business multiple times to where it is today? I would say if we haven't, if we would not have done this, the company would not exist anymore. Like, especially not on the scale where we are. So to be honest here, like when you saw the first changing in the financial situation in the market, like how, like three years ago, it was pretty easy to raise money, especially also for B2C products, for example, right? But this changed totally. So during our time, I mean, we're a tech company, so we have to invest first to develop a technology and then we can become profitable after that. So in this process, along this process, the whole market changed. So investors just wanted to invest in profitable companies, companies making money in their first year. So that was something we never thought of at the beginning, but we recognized pretty early This is a change we have to do. So we opened a B2B department, which was never the idea. We really never wanted to do that. But it came out that, first of all, we are making huge contracts now. We're having a great business. It's working out perfectly fine. And on the other hand side, we are more interesting now. No, investors are more interested in us now because we are running a B2B business, what seems to be more secure, right? So this change was, I would say the main success point that we were able to do another financial round and that we were able to create a company that is now running sustainable, even if there wouldn't have been more like money from, from investors. So I think for the company itself, it was one of the main, main differences we had. And then there was a second thing that was pretty in, in important for us. So when we started the company, we really focused on skin, right? So the name of the company was Skin which from my perspective was very like intelligent and everybody like really smiled about that. Like, oh, your company is exactly what you're targeting. That's very funny. So, and then we like, we grew the AI and had different and more models. So we, we started with hair, with supplements, with very different areas. And then this name skin was really like holding myself down. Right. So everybody was like, "Hmm, why are you doing something with hair? I mean, you're working with skin. So we had to do a whole rebranding as well to make sure that everybody is understanding our business. So at the beginning, that was a huge, huge positive thing for us, having a name that refers to our target market. But then it came out that this is not able to be scalable. So we have to like rebrand everything. And that is how we came up with Iconic. The reason why we then decided that Iconic is a much better name for us because it's for AI. So Iconic AI means we are creating different AI models. But I love the name Skin, honestly. So it was a very hard day. But it was also necessary for the success and especially the sales of the company now on stage that people understand the main part instead of what we are working with, right? So I think both things were really important, but... Both times it was a hard 
decision to make because you should have failed, right? Skin was already a branding. People knew about skin. So making a new branding, a whole new thing also had risks. Definitely. Throughout your was it roughly two and a half years with Iconic now, mm-hmm. have you ever experienced a loss in confidence where you thought, mm, I just don't know if I can do it. This is not going to work. Did you ever experience anything like that? Yeah, definitely. When we first tried to raise money, I remember there was an investor from UK, <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> very close to London. And he was doing kind of example with us, right? So he very like he went very deep with us in the process. He asked everything. We thought we are very close to get the investment. And then he used a two hours workshop with us just to tell us what we are not able to do. Like, you are bad with this. This will never work out. Maria, you are not experienced enough with that. I don't believe in that. So two hours. So two hours just hearing you are not good enough. So after that, I was definitely on a point to say, no, why should I do that? Why should I get this kind of feedback? Because, I mean, it's normal in financial rounds. You talk to 300 investors, 290 will say, no deal, no sense, whatever. And during COVID, they also change the way of how they respond. Sometimes you don't even get an answer, right? You just get very short two-sentence emails. So there is no, not that respect anymore that we saw before in the market. So all these three facts together lead me to the point to think probably I'm not able to do that. I probably am not strong enough to deal with all these emotions. And it really took a time to come back. I mean, I came back stronger, that's for sure. Now I'm not like, I know about the financial market now, more about how VCs are working. I can deal better with their feedback, but the part in between was pretty hard. Definitely a challenge. Are you happy for the experience? Glad for the experience? (laughs) I'm not sure. (laughs) I mean, from working perspective, definitely. As mentioned, it made me stronger and now I'm much more confident. I'm much better in like having this part of my work done, right? But I would say from a personal level, it was not my favorite time and like cool life. <laughs> like, I mean, I have a little one. He is now, he's getting five now. So in this time, during that time, he was very little. So for me, it was very hard to, I was very emotionally badly emotionally and he needed me to be very happy and lovely and all these kind of things so it was a challenge for me to balance that but yeah to answer the question at the end of the day everything every experience is important for you to grow so i'm i'm happy that i came out stronger but definitely yeah it was the hardest part of the journey so far yeah i'm a big believer that everything happens for a reason yeah true like even your worst moments later, you'll be thankful they happened. Yeah. Because you can't get stronger without yeah. bad times or low times or difficult situations. So I, I, I believe like listening to you say it, it clearly has made you an even better founder uh, of a business. So Yeah. And you know, there's the proverb saying that success will not start in your comfort zone. And this is definitely mm-hmm. some of the guidelines for me and also referring back to that situation. I had to understand where I had to get better that this thing will not happen again. That was definitely an experience for the whole like management team here that I was really saying after the meeting, this is what should not happen ever again. So 
we made sure we have the structure and the capabilities to never experience something similar again. And I mean, at the end, for that, it was a good thing, right? But the moment, again, was hard from mental perspective, but that's how it works, right? Absolutely. So iconic to this very day, right? So talk to me about your mission. Uh, how far do you want to take it with iconic? I think iconic is designed or thought in a way that is able to, to reshape the future of health, uh, health around the globe. And this is the vision I'm believing in. So this is where I want to bring the company to, to become a global leader and to help people around the world to get access and um, also help from medical or healthcare perspective. So for us, this is the path we are working on every single day. So I mentioned to you about the foundation, for example, right? We founded the foundation, for example, to be able to bring our solution to markets like India, Africa, things like that, where money is not pretty much in the market, but people are the perfect patients for our journey. So I think the typical exit story is something we discuss here, but for me, I founded a company to make an impact and to shape an industry. And this is the day I will stop doing that. And therefore, hopefully in 10 years, we can talk about how we grew to all these kind of different markets. Yeah, I mean, you kind of answered my next question a little bit there as well. But I'll, I'll, I'll say it anyway, just in case you say something different. <laughs> so this is what you what you believe for the business this is your mission that you want to make an impact. But you personally, you know, what gets you out of bed every single morning to just go again, you know, restarting the day to achieve and build this business? I think the main part is I'm feeling the mission. I'm not going to work. Really to see that I'm able to help so many people worldwide is something that makes me, that gives so much back, right? I know that my work is doing great impact to other people and makes their lives much better. So I visited some of these people last year in South Africa, which have no like infrastructure in healthcare, but using our solution to get help and to get these kind of information and things they need. And that was one of the moments I realized, okay, that what I'm doing here in front of my computer every single day is making lives better. So this mm -hmm. is every morning, really, I would say my dopamine or my, I would say my morning coffee, like knowing that there are so many people counting now on us, really thinking that this is a helpful thing. And yeah, so therefore, as mentioned, it's not a job anymore. It's more a mission. And I know that a lot of people are believing and seeing like strength or getting like inspiration out of what we're doing. And I want to like get them on the journey as well. That's amazing. So last question, Maria, you had your experience where these an idea came to your head and you believed in yourself and you took the leap. Now, there's a lot of people that are in, well, were, were, are in a similar situation to you was, but they just don't have the confidence to take that leap whilst they might have the intelligence and the, the business mindset. What would you say to those people that were in a similar position to you, but just don't have the confidence to go for it? Mm -hmm. I would say, as mentioned, first of all, I was not 
having all this confidence too. So I surrounded myself with people helping me getting that and learning about it. And this is definitely one of the most important advices. You you are not alone on a journey, right? You will have a team, you will have a co-founder, you will have mentors, you will have investors, you will have partners. In the best case, everyone has the same understanding and the same vision, right? So you should forget about, you have to know everything. You don't have to experience everything on your own. You can surround yourself with people growing a team that is filling the gaps, that is confident enough. And as a team, you can then work it out. So I think that's one of the main important things. Beautifully put. Thank you so much, Maria. I've really enjoyed learning all about your journey. Uh, as I say, health is close to my heart as well. So it's extra special. And I look forward to following the journey of Iconic. And I hope you achieve everything that you've explained to me and that you've set out to do. I believe you sound like a, a great founder, a great person to be around. And, you know, you've really shared some great lessons that I myself will take with me as well. So thank you very much. Thanks for having me and enjoy London. Thank you very much. <laughs> Bye now. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Startup Stories. I hope you enjoyed hearing from our guests and learning more about their journey in the startup world. I'll be back soon with another exciting episode featuring a new guest. So make sure to subscribe to Startup Stories so you never miss an episode. Also, don't forget to follow me on social media for updates and additional content. And if you have any suggestions for guests or topics you'd like to hear about, please reach out to me. And as always, I appreciate your support and feedback. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.